We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Computer, this is Data. I'm an Android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. <laughs> Alright, welcome in everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Let me pull up my scouting report. Let me tweet this out here. Yeah. Tim, sorry to just interject really quick. I did just throw up a tweet letting people know we're still live here and you're about to kind of go deeper into this matchup. I was going to say, while I'm kind of chilling here listening to you as well, I could go grab some clips from Minnesota and try to upload them to YouTube if you can tell me what you'd like to see. Oh, heck yeah. All right, so for Minnesota, I would love to see some Mike Conley and Ant Edwards ball screens. Okay. If you could grab those, if you happen to see them running any like double drag, that would be nice. But yeah, if you could just grab Ant and Conley ball screens, synergy, cool. I think that'll that'll put us in a good spot. So Tom's going to go grab that. I'm about to fire off another tweet. Let's get it. Folks, playoff time, baby. All right. Sending that tweet out. I'm going to retweet Tom's tweet. And it's time. It is our time of year. This is this is what I live for. It's these fun chess matches. I'm going to mute the stream audio. So Minnesota, the Lakers will be playing the Timberwolves. I'm going to start out with injuries and some uncertainty there. Nazareth, he's out. Wrist injury. He had a successful surgery. He is out indefinitely. The team hopes he can return if they make a deep playoff run. If the Lakers have anything to say about that, that will not happen. He will not play for, against the Lakers. It would it would be a shock if he played against the Lakers. Austin Rivers, he has missed the last four games with an illness. He was on the bench today. He did not play. Uh, he has not been someone that's been someone they lean on. He has not had a good year. And then five games, including tonight, with knee tendinopathy. If he's healthy, he will be in the rotation. But he has not been healthy recently, and he has not been in the rotation recently. He's got some good scoring punch defensively, and eh, not as much. And then Rudy Gobert punched Kyle Anderson today. Does he play? I don't know. If somebody figures figures that out, throw something in the chat. Maybe we will hear something about that. This is a better Timberwolves team when Gobert is playing. I You can hate on Gobert all you want. They are a better team with Rudy Gobert playing because if he is not playing – then we get down to guys like, let's see here, Nathan Knight, who played two minutes in the, uh, he played one minute in the second half of this game, added a couple points. They, they, there's not, this is not a deep team because Nas Reed is out. They do not have good big man, big man depth. So if Go is held out of the game, I'm assuming he's healthy, but if they say, hey, he punched a teammate, he's suspended for a game, that would be big. I don't have that answer. Jaden McDaniels, he is very, very good defensively. He is an exemplary point of attack defender, wing stopper defender. I would expect to see him guarding LeBron James. 
he punched the wall today and was out for the second half of this game after punching the wall. I don't know if he will be playing. I do not know if he will be healthy. I scouted. I put the scouting report together, assuming those two guys would play. But if they are not playing, that would change my perspective a bit. Heading into today, I prefer to play the Pels over the Timberwolves. If those two guys are out or one of those guys are out, that, that could change things. But given, giving you an overview of the Timberwolves offense, high level, let's look at their four factors. From a shooting efficiency standpoint, they've been, they've been trending down. On the season, they've ranked eighth, very good shooting efficiency team. Post All-Star break, they've ranked post All-Star break, they have ranked 15th, which is average over the last seven, now eight games. And again, these numbers are, I haven't updated these numbers for this most recent game played, but prior to this game, their last seven games, since Cat came back, he played six of the seven, their shooting efficiency had dropped to 23rd. So they've been trending down there from a free throw rate standpoint. They're pretty good at attacking the rim and drawing fouls on the season 12th. Post-All-Star break 10th, last seven games 8th. So they've been trending up. Turnover rate. This is a team that turns the ball over a good bit. On the season, 27th. Post-All-Star break 21st, last seven games 23rd. So they will turn the ball over. That will be an area of opportunity for the Lakers to fuel their own offense. So keep an eye out for that. And then from an offensive rebounding standpoint, this is a team that hasn't been good on the year. But since Cat has come back, they've got that additional size. They'll play him and Gobert together. They've been better. So on the year 25th, post-All-Star break 23rd, last seven games with Cat back, 16th. So they're a team that's going to turn the ball over, has shot pretty well, not so good recently. They draw a lot of fouls, and they're not really killing you on the boards. Even though they have some size, it's been better recently. A couple other high-level things. They are not good against zone. They are 28th of the 30 NBA teams from an efficiency standpoint uh, against zone this season in the half court. They have the fourth highest rating it on the year. Teams have used it a good bit versus them. And when I looked at the film, they're pretty disorganized. So this could be a team, if the Lakers run into a situation where they feel like they're struggling to match up size-wise, they don't want to play both AD and Bamba or AD and Gabriel potentially, they could go zone. And if they do go zone, I think they'll have some success with it. Minnesota, not good at attacking it. They face it a bunch. And a bunch is relative. It's still not something they face most of the time. But teams have been more willing to throw it at them because of how they attack it. And it's been more than just this year. The three years under Chris Finch, they've ranked. Yes, go ahead. Sorry, just to interrupt. um, Shams just tweeted, Jalen McDaniels has suffered a broken right hand. Wow. Wow, that is big. Oh, my goodness, that is big. He ranked first this season in our on-ball defense metric. He ranked first this season in our ball screen defense metric. He ranked top 10 in our off-ball chaser defense metric. Elite matchup difficulty. Huge result. You know, you feel awful for him. For the Lakers, that is a huge because that is their best defender, their best wing defender now out. And that's going to shift up their rotation. We'll keep an eye out for it. Thank you. Again, Tom, thank you for interrupting me. That's yes, that's a key piece of information. I'm glad I know that. Yeah, yeah, if we yeah. see anything on Gobert, let me know. So without McDaniels, that makes their defense look a bit worse. We'll see what happens with Gobert. But if you want to play this offense, zone is not a bad place to look. They have ranked uh, – they've averaged ranking 26th in three seasons attacking zone under Chris Finch. They have consistently not been good at attacking it. So that is a potential way to go. This is an offense that likes to run. The Lakers are sixth in transition frequency. Minnesota is seventh. They are sixth in shot quality, ninth in efficiency in transition. So if there is a way for this offense to get a boost, it will be from the Lakers turning the ball over. So keeping taking good care of the ball will be really important. This is a team that can get hot there. If you, you know, give Ant a bunch of transition opportunities, he's going to kill you. Stylistically, They are a team that leans on transition a lot, and they generate a lot of spot-up shooting attempts. Um, Their pick-and-roll ball handler offense on the season, 22nd in usage, 13th efficiency. And when you remove D-Lo, it it drops a good bit as well. They are 17th in ISO efficiency, 22nd in off-screen efficiency, 22nd in post-up efficiency, 18th in handoff efficiency, 14th in spot-up efficiency. Not not a whole lot of good stuff going on. 
when you look at their major play type usage between ball screens, ISOs, and post-ups, they're not high like any of those from either a usage or efficiency standpoint. And we'll dig more into the, the weeds and specific players and how to defend them. But this is just your, your big picture, high level look at the team. From a shot type standpoint, they are 23rd in their rank of jump shot usage. They uh, generate open jumper, open catch and shoot jumpers, the 11th most of any team. Uh, 10th highest in pull up jumper uh, usage. So they're going to go to work with those middies, 12th efficiency. So not killing you, not awful to the point where you're like, yeah, go ahead. But somewhere in between, they are fourth in the frequency of their shots at the rim and have ranked 11th there. So defending the rim against this team will be really important. When we look at their jumper kind of breakdown between threes versus kind of longer mid-range versus short mid-range, 20th ranked short and medium range jumpers, 12th ranked uh, usage when it comes to threes. And they've been about average with all three of those. So nothing really stands out. It's not like, oh, this is a clear, heavy pick and roll team. Like some teams I scouted work. This is a clear post-up heavy team. Like this team does a little bit of everything. And to me, that's interesting because they they have different ways they can go. But then when we dig a bit deeper, we can see there are certain things they like to do repetitively. So that's your high-level look. Rotationally, how they had been rotating was they would start Conley, Ant, McDaniels, Cat, and Gobert. They would start and end halves both with, uh, with with both Gobert and Cat on the floor together. But then in the you know in between the quarters towards the end of the second quarter or end of the first quarter beginning of the second quarter, they would stagger those two guys. So their center rotation was either Cat or Gobert at all times, and then to start and end halves, they'd have both of them on the court together. And because Cat can space the floor, you can do that. We'll have to see if Gobert's playing. If he's not, that really changes things. Um, but so they'd start those five, and then off the bench, they would play Kyle Anderson, Torian Prince, and I would expect one of the two of them to be starting in place of Jaden McDaniels, and then Jordan McLaughlin, and then kind of a deeper bench guy who his minutes have fluctuated a bit, but he's more of like, you know, I'd say they run like a, what, eight-and-a-half-man rotation or so. He's kind of the half-man. Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Jalen Noel, if he's back, that would be really important, especially now with McDaniels out. He's the other guy that would get some minutes. Hey, Tim. Yes. Kind of a half update. Woj just tweeted this. Minnesota president of basketball operations, Tim Connolly on Rudy Gobert. He made the decision to send Rudy Gobert home after the incident in the second quarter. His behavior on the bench was unacceptable, and we will continue handling the situation internally. Take that as you will. Interesting. Okay. All right, so we'll see what happens there. If So with McDaniels out, I would expect to see either Anderson or Prince start. I would expect to see more Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And if Gobert is out, again, this isn't a deep team because Reed is injured. I would expect to see, I guess, Nathan might play some minutes. I didn't. I hadn't watched him play before today. I don't have a deep scouting report on him. His data's fine, but he is. He would certainly be a, a step down from Gobert from a player quality standpoint. Based on matchup on the season, uh, Minnesota may play Kyle Anderson over Gobert to close games, uh, but they usually start and finish with both Cat and Gobert on the court together. When we look at how they like to operate. What what are they doing most frequently? I looked at their their top 15 like per game usage uh, play type scoring possession. So like the most frequent thing you're going to see happen is a shot. They, this is this is counting shots, turnovers, and free throw trips from a play type standpoint at the individual level. The most frequent thing you see from Minnesota 6.8 times a game is an Anthony Edwards pick and roll ball handler scoring possession. And this is not him facilitating. This is him shooting, turning it over, or getting to the free throw line. In those 6.8 attempts, his efficiency, 54th percentile. Pretty average. That's the most frequent thing they do. Next highest, and this will this won't be happening, a Jaden McDaniels spot up. The second highest thing they do is spot up shots for Jaden McDaniels, 39th percentile. So cut that out. That he's his offense, and he's I think he's gotten a bit better offensively, but McDaniel's defense is really where you have value with him. So him out offensively doesn't hurt you 
as much. Uh, if Noel's healthy, I think that'll be important. Next thing is a cat spot up. You know, that's him finishing possessions. You're not you're not scheming. You're not game planning to stop a cat spot up. Uh, the next highest thing at 4.4 per game is an ant perimeter ISO, 59th percentile efficiency. Okay, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take a look at that. Um, next highest thing, Mike Conley, pick and roll ball handler, scoring possession, 98th percentile efficiency. So I know, and I and I did, I want to take a look at how do you stop Mike Conley pick and roll attacks. That is a big form of offense for him. And then at the team level, you know, him creating for others, that that's a big piece of their offense. So it's been scarier than the Ant Edwards pick and roll ball handler attacks by quite a bit. So I wanted to take a look at that. Uh, next up, we have Ant spot ups, 81st percentile. Torian Prince spot up, 65th percentile. Gobert, concert dump off, 68th percentile. Those are all kind of, you know, finishing possessions. So I'm not game planning to stop those. Those aren't offensive engines. Those are guys, you know, finishing advantages created elsewhere. Next up, we've got Jalen Noel, pick and roll ball handler possessions. He may or may not play. Um, Rudy Gobert putbacks, 50th percentile efficiency. Cat post-ups, 45th percentile efficiency. That's, that's, I would expect that to be higher. Uh, and, and if you give him the right miss, you know, right matchups, that will be higher. Next is Cat perimeter isolations, 24th percentile. Not impressive 1v1 play from Carl Anthony Towns this year. Then we get to Gobert roll man possession. So 91% of the time Gobert is rolling, 7% of the time he is slipping, 2% of the time Rudy Gobert is popping. Uh, he's been, he's at 74th percentile efficiency with his roll man possessions overall. And then Cat roll man possessions, 45th percentile efficiency overall. He is most frequently popping 56% of the time, but then 38% of the time rolling, 6% of the time slipping. And then the last thing here on my list is Carl Anthony Towns off-screen possessions, and they use him in a lot of interesting ways. Um, they'll use him. Remember those double-drag Oklahoma sets? The Lakers will run two ball screens, and then the first screener will then receive a, a down screen from the second screener. We run that for Malik Beasley. They run that for Carl Anthony Towns. And big man guards generally aren't used to defending those. So that that can create some interesting situations. might create some switches. Um they get him going that way. They'll run cat off of exit screens. They'll run cat off of Chicago, or you might hear it called, uh, be called zoom action, where he'll come off of a down screen, kind of like AD, and then receive the ball off of the handoff. So they run a lot of action. He can shoot on the move, which adds a, a dynamic that a lot of other bigs don't have. And then because of that, because you can't just, you know, fumble your way around these screens with your with your lumbering bigs potentially teams will have to switch and then he'll he'll attack switches so those are some of those are the top 15 things minnesota does the ones that i've pinpointed that i want to focus on are ant edwards ball screens he hasn't been great with it but he does it a lot so you want to make sure that you're doing the right things against it mike conley ball screens he does it frequently and he's very good at it and then carl anthony pounds post-ups i think that'll be a big part of this matchup those are the three areas, and then just the general ball screen offense. Those are some of the things that I scouted. I know some of their most frequent set plays. I'm going to dig into that later today and then have more of a, a video film review for you. Tom's currently grabbing some, some film that we can take a look at. When we take a look at the top eight most used major play types, so pick and roll, ISO, post-ups, including pass outs, We've got Ant ball screens, number one, check. We're going to look into that. Conley ball screens, number two, check. We're going to look into that. When you include the passing piece, so Ant passing and scoring in ball screens, 59th percentile. It's good. Not, not elite. Conley ball screens, 94th percentile. That's elite. Um, next, we've got Ant isolations, 51st percentile. Noel pick and roll, 46th percentile. Cat post up, 67th percentile. Anderson pick and roll, 61st percentile. Cat iso, 64th percentile. McLaughlin pick and roll is 58th percentile. So I'm listing off a bunch of numbers. Conley ball screens, cat post-ups, Anthony Edwards ball screens. Those are the three things that in my day of scouting the, the Timberwolves, those are the three things I really dug into. And when I looked at the pick and roll offense for this team in general, here's how they like to attack. If you're switching, they only have really basic attacks. They're not running a bunch of switch beaters. They'll hit slips. And then they'll ISO or they'll post up. And they've been pretty consistent with that. So if the Lakers switch, all you have to make sure is if, if you switch with good technique and you get the inside position on the roll man, they're not hitting you with the slips. And then it's just a matter of can we, you know, 
use off-ball switches or double and recover to get out of potential potential mismatches, or if you're just comfortable with your personnel and, and happy to switch, you know, you could do well against this team. So switching, I'm not impressed with how they attack it. Against drop, Conley will hit pull-up threes. He's been very good with those on the season. He's at 37.1% of his pick-and-roll pull-up threes. Uh, overall, on the whole season, 33.5%. So not as impressive full-season numbers, but with Minnesota, he shot 43% on his pick-and-roll pull-up threes. He's been deadly. Um, They'll attack with floaters. We saw plenty of that when they played the Lakers recently. Pretty basic stuff. They'll try to, you know, get get the defender in jail, drive down a hill, and then hit the roll man. Little things like that. Or they'll pick and pop with Cat. Pretty basic attacks against drop. And then if you try to hedge, they'll, again, use fairly basic attacks. They'll use double screening actions with Chicago action or double drag, trying to draw defenders away from the rim so that they can slip against your hedging and then hit their big men on walls. Or they'll hit the short roll, and then that guy will look to attack 3v2. And they've got Kyle Anderson, very good short roll playmaker. Cat, pretty good short roll playmaker. Gobert is an okay short roll playmaker. This isn't like the Pelicans. There are guys in the Pelicans that I am happy to put you in the short roll because you have no idea what you're doing. With this Minnesota team, they can attack in the short roll. So they are not running complex concepts, but they were doing pretty smart things when it comes to uh, just just the basic attacks. So digging into the specific, you know, I'll, I'll use the phrase offensive engines. These are how the team is generating their advantages, and then they play off of that. Anthony Edwards' ball, Anthony Edwards ball screens 11.6 times per game. Somebody, not just Ant, but somebody's getting a shot, a free throw trip, or turning the ball over. On an, stemming from an ant ball screen. He might be hitting spot-up shooters, 1.116 points per possession. That's solid. He might be hitting his, his screen or popping or rolling or slipping, 1.168 points per possession. That's solid. He might be hitting a cutter, only 21 times since he's done that this year, but about a point and a half per possession. That's all good offense. When Ant is scoring, which has been the most, or he's taking the scoring possession, that's been the most frequent thing. 0.897 points per possession. That is not going to, not that's not going to beat you. You're okay with that. And when we look at Ant Edwards in ball screens, he shot 34.4% on pick and roll pull-up threes this season. When you look at all of his pull-up threes, 33.9%. That's okay. And that's at the, that's in a range where like you could certainly get hot and he can go three for four in a game. But that is not at an efficiency that he is someone that's consistently beating the defense with this to the point where I'm okay playing drop against him. When we look at his mid-range pull-ups this season in ball screens, he shot 28.9%. That's awful. That's awful. It should be better than that. You, you should shoot higher on mid-range pull-ups than, than three-point pull-ups. In ball screen mid-range pull-ups, he's been real bad this year. Where he hurts you in ball screens when he's good is getting to the rim and he's a strong finisher at the rim. If you can keep him away from the rim, you're going to be successful as a defense. If you can make him a second and third level scorer and not give up the, the cuts, the rolls, the spot up threes, you're going to do well against ant ball screens. And for that reason, uh, because you know, we want to induce ant jumpers, I'm happy to play drop and I'm not rotating off of shooters. Make ant beat you. This team is not running concepts that are dropping concepts with any frequency that I've seen on film. I'm going to go watch some more film tonight and get an even better answer. From, but from what I saw, just spamming film of, of Minnesota ball screens over a number of games, I was not seeing that. So with him or with others. So drop, and this is why on the season it's been 59% efficiency. You can run drop against him and have success. And I'm gonna, I'm, I'm hoping to get some second spectrum data to take a look at how he has fared from an efficiency standpoint against different coverages on this season. In the past, drop's been good looking at the data. And looking at the film, I would expect drop to be good. So I'm waiting on that confirmation. I'll probably have that tomorrow. But that would be my go-to against Anthony. Not a super exciting answer. That would be kind of the default. Play drop against him. Play the action 2v2. 
Anthony Davis is uniquely in a position where he is able to play drops so well, he can play the ball handler, test a shot, stay with the roll man. If Gobert is in this game, that'll be important for Minnesota because he is a legitimate lob threat. That'll make AD's life more difficult. If Cat's out there, he's better as a pick and pop option. And that's where perimeter defensive rotations are going to be important. If AD's in drop, he's not guarding the pop. You need the next perimeter player over to be in a position to go rotate over and guard the pop. And if they're running empty balls, you know, empty side ball screens, you need to figure out a solution. Maybe you switch to be able to guard those cat pops. So that's what you're looking at there. Um, the next thing that I think you have to have in the game plan is and how how are you guarding Mike Conley ball screens? About 10 times a game. He's getting a shot or somebody's getting a shot from his ball screens. 94th percentile efficiency. And it's been real high. Uh, so, so it's been real high, high in Minnesota, 94th percentile. In Utah, only 55th percentile. And when we look at his pull-up shooting on threes, 37.1%. Real impressive. Again, 43% Minnesota. Full season everywhere, not just in ball screens, 33.5%. So he's been hot. He's been real good in Minnesota. Why is that? When we look at his pull-up threes from ball screens, I tracked every single one he's taken on this season. He shot 31 for 82. That's 37.8%. Going to his right on pull-up threes out of the ball screen. 82 attempts. Going left, he's taken 11 attempts on shot 27%. So he, he shot much, much better going right than going left. And he is so much more comfortable going right than going left. Uh, there are times he took, you know, he was going straight forward, straight back. He shot one for five, 20%. He, let's see. So that's 82, 11, five, 98. So 82 of his 98, that's 84% of his pull-up threes this year in ball screens were him going to his right. Last playoffs, this was a guy who stunk. And the big thing I saw looking at his data and watching the film, his jumpers weren't falling. Defenses were making him go left a bit more. When he was going right with his pull-up threes, he shot 40% last playoffs. Uh, he shot 38% this season. You, you want to push him to his left. If you can push him to his left where he's less comfortable, he's less effective, if he's not a threat to pull up for threes, then you can play drop against him. Um, where they really dice you up is if you have to be at the level of the screen and then they're able to play 4v3 because they've got guys who can make decisions in the short roll. That's going to hurt you. They've got guys that can space it out with McDaniels out of the game. That's one guy who's been a sort of sketchier shooter. Um, he's been good, but not on super high volume. So if you could play drop against him and be icing and weaking ball screens, which is not something we've seen the Lakers do a whole lot this year. This is why I'm a little bit less comfortable with this matchup than the Pelicans matchup. If you can ice these screens, and I hope this, the Lakers are seeing this, make Conley go to his left. He is nowhere near as effective as a pull-up three-point shooter. And if you could, again, just play these actions 2v2, you're going to be in a good shot, good spot. Conley at the rim, F rim shot making. He's not killing you inside. His mid-range pull-ups, he, he doesn't really have a mid-range mid pull-up game out of ball screens. What he will do is use floaters instead, and he'll do so even from longer distance. 45th percentile efficiency. Um, 42nd percentile efficiency in both Minnesota and Utah this season in floaters. Not elite. 61st ranked floater talent on the season with our B-ball index numbers. He's fine. But his if you can have him shooting floaters, that's good for the Lakers defense. If you can have him trying to hit pull-up threes going to his left, that's good for the Lakers defense. If you can have him looking to attack the rim, that's, you know, assuming it's not just wide open, that's good for the Lakers defense. So if you can weak or ice. So, so when I say this, you're trying to overplay the ball screen. If so many of Mike Conley's ball screens, if we look at this, when we look at this film, he starts at the left wing and he's going to his right. And if you're in a soft hedge, just trying to contain, he'll just keep dragging you out and then step back and shoot a three from like the right wing. Or if you're in drop, he'll just keep going to his right and then hit the three. If you're able to make him not you know, overplay that, force him to his left, he's nowhere near as effective as a pick and roll player. And we see that in the film. We see that in numbers. They're just the comfort's not there. 
he's gonna, you know, he'll hit some shots. But that is a lot of like I something I noticed is for going from Utah to Minnesota, Minnesota understands where he's good and weak, and they really lean into him going to his right in ball screens. That is like the go-to thing. They don't run him the other way. So if you can overplay that, force him to reject and attack downhill, going to his left, you're in a good spot as a defense. If it's on the, at the wing on a side ball screen, that's, that's called icing the screen, and that would be good. If it's in a middle ball screen, you, you just want to force him to his left. You're weakening it. This is something we saw Frank Vogel's teams do really well in the playoffs, the title year. We have not seen the Lakers this season do this as much. And so I'm a little bit worried. I don't know that we will see this, but we want him taking shots from the first or second levels, or if he's at that third level, going to his left. If the Lakers need to put two on the ball to defend the pull-up threes, I worry a bit because I think Minnesota will attack that well. So that's how you want to deal with Conley ball screens. And Tom is currently, I know we're not looking at anything on the screen right now, Tom is going through and he's grabbing film and and we're going to try to upload that and be able to walk through some of this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Next thing let's talk about, Cat, Carl Anthony Towns. Hasn't been all that effective as an ISO guy in the post as a scorer. Hasn't been the most effective. But when he's able to pass out, he's been really, really effective. So, again, looking at Cat uh, as a scorer in ball screens, 45th percentile efficiency. When we include pass outs, he moves up to 67th percentile. So, if you can play him 1v1 with size, you're in okay shape. When we look at how he attacks, looking at, you know, does he post up on the left block, the right block, in the middle, he's very heavily posting up on the left block. And when he's on the left block, 83% of the time, his move is to the middle instead of to the baseline. This was very different. I, I also scouted the Pelicans. I looked at Jonas Valanciunas. Valanciunas from either block is able to go either way. He can go either way. He's got all the moves. He's got a deep bag. That's what makes him a truly, really good post player that is able to, you know, old school style guy. He'll pound it down low. He's got size. He's got touch. But he has the moves and his tendencies don't skew one way. And that makes it so much harder to scout for him and game plan for him. And, you know, Cat's a better post player than him from an effectiveness standpoint, move for move. But Cat leans so heavily into his strong that he doesn't use his his counters that frequently. So I watched film 
I saw the Lakers do this, which is good. It, it makes me feel good that the Lakers are able to do this. I saw Memphis do this. I saw the Spurs do this. All do it well. Um, I saw Phoenix do this. Play, you know, sit on his middle shoulder. Give him the baseline. And then anticipate spin move and send help. Um, so that's that's what you want to look for from him. When we look at the efficiency for cat post-ups by the shooter, if he's hitting spot-ups, 1.3 points per possession. That's going to kill you as a defense. When he's hitting cuts, 1.3 points per possession. That's going to kill you as a defense. Post-ups post for cat when cat's the shooter, the score, 0.934 points per possession. That doesn't scare me. That shouldn't scare you. As long as the Lakers aren't conceding switches and letting him post up like Austin Reeves or Elo, if he can be going up against Rui, who's got a good center of, you know, low center of gravity, if he's going up against AD, even Gabriel, even Vando potentially, if you can play him 1v1, make him have to drop 40 on you himself and don't let him be assisting his teammates. And I think that's the recipe. He'll put points up. He's going to get the volume. But I think with a player of his caliber, it's about make him uncomfortable, make him work for every point. Don't foul him. Don't let him get those, you know, extra half a point per possession dishes to teammates when you send help. So when you send help, you want to be smart about it. I watched the film. I saw which types of help Minnesota counters well. I saw which types of help they don't counter well. There's nothing saying that they might, you know, they might be doing some self-scouting, realize what they're bad at and fix it right now. Who knows? Probably not. But when you send help from the strong side, you know, let's say Conley is at the left wing. He feeds Cat at the left block. And then you send help off of Conley right in front of Cat. They're really good at countering that. They'll space it out and shoot threes. They'll cut that man and attack with it. They don't do a good job countering it. Or they, they do a really good job countering that. So I wouldn't send that kind of help. Where they haven't been as good is sending the strong side double as a defense and then bump the next perimeter player over, let's say from the, the top of the key or the right block, have him run over to Conley. So Conley sends the ball to Cat. Cat sees the double come at him, and he sees Conley standing there, and he thinks Conley's going to be open. He passes to Conley, and then, oops, the next perimeter player has rotated over. And then whoever Conley's original man was, you just you know rotate out to the weak side corner. I saw teams use that time after time and recover well, and Minnesota not attack it smartly. It's, it can be confusing. It looks like that's where the advantage is. That's not where the advantage is. Sending weak side help, I also saw have success. And especially when you sit on Cat's strong side shoulder, I'm sorry, middle shoulder. So if he's at the left block and his left shoulder is, you know, to the middle of the paint, back to the basket, overplay that. Give him the, the baseline spin. And then have somebody, you don't need to send a hard double. You can, and I saw teams have success with this, but just stand there at the block, ready to take a charge when he spins right into you. I saw multiple teams do that and have a lot of success. So if you're playing Cat, that's how you want to play Cat. And that's how we saw the Lakers play Cat early this season, which is good because I know the Lakers see it, but it's bad because Minnesota is probably looking at how did they defend us? You know, how would we be better this time? So that's what I would do against Carl Anthony Towns post-ups. With the Conley ball screens, not great at attacking the rim, doesn't have a mid-range pull-up game all that much, is, is more of a floater guy, much, much more so a floater guy. And then from three, going to his right is a deadly pull-up three-point shooter. Going to his left, not so much. Not comfortable, doesn't take them. They're there and he won't take them. Or when he does take them, shooting much lower percentage. And I looked at a couple seasons of info for this. When you look at the types of shots he was taking, teams were, were forcing him to go left and we saw I saw so much more weaking and icing Conley ball screens in the playoffs than in the regular season and that's because these teams are realizing this as well there's good scouting from playoff opponents he's a it's it's not the type of thing that you know 30 29 other regular season teams are going to be doing with their defenses when you play four teams in a week but when you get to the playoffs and you're like what are they specifically bad at that's where where that sort of hole in your game can really hurt you and he's always like a high volume floater guy. His effectiveness has not been quite the same. There he gets one and and the foul. But if the result of a combo ball screen is not a corner three, it's not a go bear, you know, dunk, 
there. He gets, yeah, again, he, you go under, he goes back to his right. He wants to go back to his right. Um, if it's a floater for Conley is the result of a ball screen possession. It's not a Gobert dunk or an ant catch and shoot corner three. Like you're in good shape here going to his left. That's absolutely one you don't want to foul him on, but he did a really smart job just stopping as soon as he caught the ball. And so I looked at this film. I, I pulled the numbers clear hole. There's a clear thing you want him to do here going to his right. That's probably go. That one's no good, but he's shooting again, like 40% on his pull-up threes going to his right this season, 27% going to his left. This is a play they like to run a lot. There will be a ball screen with an exit screen weak side, and then the original ball screener will set up veer pin-down screen for a weak side corner player. And then that will usually be Ant. If he gets a shot, he'll take the shot. If he uh, can't get the shot, he'll flip it back to Conley, and then you set the step-up ball screen. And then he so frequently is able to... um, He's so frequently able to get to that pull-up three. So that that's going to be a play I grab specific film on. I'll uh, exit the YouTube stream now. So so Tom also grabbed Ant ball screen video, and, and he'll probably be back, and we'll pull that up when we can. Take away the pull-up threes. Make Conley beat you with floaters. Don't give up the threes to his teammates. Don't give up the lops. That's, that's how you want to play it. So drop, weak. Ice, ball screens, that's what you want. From a personnel standpoint, getting familiar with with how Minnesota likes to use their players. Sorry, Tim. And, mm-hmm. uh, I got the Edwards one, I think. Oh, nice. Perfect. Okay. Cool. Yeah, send me, send me that. All right, there it is. This would be cool to try to do, um, especially once we get into a series. Um, we can talk more about these play types and have some of these things ready ahead of time so yeah maybe i'll try to do that over the next few days and before the game or after the game we can watch some youtube videos and try to talk about some strat tim yeah absolutely and we see in that video that tom just posted the the first play is that ball screen with an exit screen on the strong side in a good position for for conley to pass to and then after that, Gobert then goes and sets a, a veer pin down for Ant, who catches looking to shoot. If it's not there, either he'll flip it back to Conley, who receives the ball screen from Gobert, or Gobert will screen for Ant. That's a play they use a lot. If you top lock it, they can back cut. So that's just one where you need some good off-ball screen navigation. And again, with the Ant ball screens, I want to play drop. I want to make him hit pull-up jumpers. Because he is not, he's shot, what was it again? 29% on those pick and roll pull up jumpers. Get get in his rear view mirror, get a contest in, and make him hit some tough shots. Don't let him get to the rim. The, the key thing with him is don't let him get to the rim and don't overplay the ball screen with sending help and needing to rotate in a way that opens up passes for teammates because that's really where ant ball screens hurt you as a defense. So play it 2v2, play drill. Stay in front and make him shoot over you. And that is that is where you have success. And Tim, he will attack four guys and help defense instead of kicking out like a, a skip pass. Um it's it's yeah, a thing he does, and he can finish through contact and get a lot of acrobatic finishes, dunks, but sometimes he really does force the issue and it could be, you know. AD meeting him at the rim, contesting and him still forcing stuff up. That could be a good recipe. Lakers like. Yeah, absolutely. He, he is a score first guy from a role standpoint. He's been used as a shot creator this year. So an on ball ISO, you know, some post up guy, Kyle Anderson for them has been a slasher. So that's an on ball, you know, drive to the rim, not frequently shooting three sort of guy um, from an impact standpoint. And an a minus in our O LeBron value. Kyle Anderson at B minus. Uh, Conley used as a primary ball handler. He's the one initiating offense and doing guard stuff. Lots of ball screens, some ISOs, some spot ups. A minus impact for him. They have several secondary ball handlers. Jalen Noel, who's been injured, he's an A minus. He could be back. McLaughlin, a B minus. He's a decent backup point guard. And then Nikhil Alexander Walker, C minus, also is a secondary ball handler. I think we're going to see him play a bit more with McDaniel's out. In terms of off-ball guards and wings, they've got Torian Prince, who's been used as a movement shooter. D-minus impact for him. 
McDaniels and Rivers. McDaniels would be out. Rivers may not play at all. They've both been Fs as stationary shooters from an impact standpoint offensively. And then Cat's been used as a stretch big. Gobert's been used as a roll. Big A- minus and C- minus offensive impact for those guys. From a matchup standpoint, I think how you would start is throw. So let's think about this. I would stick D'Lo on Conley. I would stick Reeves on Ant. You can hide. Well, hang on. This changes now because instead of hiding LeBron and McDaniels, now you probably have Anderson or Prince. So I guess I'd also stick LeBron on. Um, And then Gobert starting. Stick AD probably on Gobert. And then Rui on Cat or Vando on Cat. One of them you want to play. Rui did some good work against Carl Anthony Towns. I could see a, a case being made for him to potentially start in the series. I would assume the Lakers start with Vando. Even I think I think that can make some sense. Alternatively, you could stick if you really want to go Vando on Edwards. You could go Reeves on Torian Prince or Kyle Anderson, and you could stick LeBron on Cat and AD on Gobert, or you can even even stick LeBron on Gobert and AD on Cat. So our options. What we saw the team do was we saw the team stick LeBron on the weakest offensive player, stick Reeves on Ant, stick Vando on Ant, um, stick Rui, AD, and Vando on Towns, stick AD, and then whoever the backup center is on Gobert. Um, and I think I think those make sense. So the team has options. It's a single game, so you got to make adjustments quickly. But given that's how they defended this team in the past, I would expect similar things in the future. You, you want a strong perimeter defender on Ant Edwards. You want someone who can, you know, put some size on Cat on Cat. You probably hide LeBron a bit. And I'm okay with D'Lo guarding Conley. I worry about D'Lo guarding Ant. Um, so from a matchup standpoint, I think that's how things would look. Schroeder would be on Conley. Um, when it comes to like McLaughlin, same same thing. Schroeder or Reeves or D'Lo, essentially D'Lo. Y- you've got some options based on how you use players. From a three-point shooting standpoint, looking at where they're strong and weak, from an off-ball, like when we're talking about off-ball shooting, I think you can close out short to Kyle Anderson. He's not frequently shooting threes. He's been okay when he takes them, but he's reluctant. You can sh- close out short to Jalen no one shot making on the season. McDaniels isn't playing. Uh, Rivers play, but has been a really, really poor three-point shooter this season. And then McLaughlin has also not been a very good three-point shooter. D minus three-point shot making. So you can, in theory, close out short to a lot of these guys. None of them are guys that you're just like, ah, completely leave you alone. We're willing to just let you jack threes up. We might see the Lakers do that. Um, I don't think we will. McDaniels might have been the guy to to maybe do that against. But I don't expect to see that. From an on-ball standpoint, I think you can go under Kyle Anderson ball screens. I think you can go under Jalen Noel ball screens if he plays. So from a shooting standpoint, that's how I'm game planning. When it comes to rim pressure, Anthony Edwards, Jalen Noel, these two guys that create shots at the rim and they finish well and they'll take some real tough shots at the rim. So those are the two players that big picture game plan standpoint, you want to keep them away from the rim. That means, you know, go under ball screens for Noel. For ants, you want, you know, AD in that drop. Um, so point how you're looking to play. And then when it comes to playmaking, I mentioned it earlier. Cat and Anderson read the floor well. They're both good in the short roll. Gobert's okay. Conley, Anthony Edwards, and Jordan McLaughlin are all pretty good set play playmakers. Their passing versatility isn't at a level where you're like, these guys see all 10 players on the court and, you know, always make the right read, but they're all pretty solid. This team has some good ball movers. Really, the only guy who's not a good ball mover is Austin Rivers, who just may not play. Um, from a top set play standpoint, we'll pull some film and then have more film to review together. But that ball screen with the exit screen flowing into the pin down that might flip into a step up screen. That's the top set I saw from them. Double drag, they'll run frequently. They'll use that against hedging. If the Lakers are in drop, you're not going to see all that much for advanced concepts. Um, I still need to go grab film and info on their end of game attacks. 
But offensively, that's who they are. That's how they deploy players, who they're going to play, what they like to do, and how to defend it. What questions do you have on defending the Minnesota offense? Let's next talk about the Timberwolves' defense. And defensively, Gobert, again, is a big piece. And if he's playing or not, that that changes how they might play. It changes how good they are. But defensively, um, we might see some zone from these guys. The Pelicans, we wouldn't have seen zone. Memphis, we won't see zone. The Timberwolves play zone sometimes. They will do it when they've got Gobert and Cat on the floor together and they're worried about them defending in matchups and they just want to keep them on the inside. They've used zone about 3% of the time on the season in the half-court situation, so not frequently. It's about average 15th ranked, but occasionally they'll have games where they use it for 10 to 20 plays. So if they think you're bad against zone, they might pull it out there for 20 plays. So you need to be ready to attack it. They'll use it for three plays. If you attack it well, they'll stop. If you don't attack it, they'll keep going. And I think that's a smart thing to do as a defense. From a four-factor standpoint, they've been a team that will foul you. 28th ranked free throw rate on the season. 28th post all-star break. 24th with cap. They're going to foul. They, on the season, turn teams over pretty well. Fifth best turnover rate post all-star break. 12th with cap back. 23rd. So they've not been doing well with that recently. I think it's, you know, They've got size. They defend the rim better. We look at the the rebounding. We look at the shooting efficiency on the season. 10th shooting efficiency defense. 8th post all-star break. 5th with cap back. They're bigger. They defend the rim better. But they're not as disruptive. They're not as multiple. And that's, you know, that's a difference that they have with cat in the game versus out. They're, they're pros and cons. From a rebounding standpoint, they had been pretty poor in the season. 26th. They've been 16th both post-All-Star break and with Cat back the last seven games. So they rebound a bit better. Not super strong, but if you attack the rim, they're going to foul you. They attack, you know, they defend the rim pretty well, but if you can pound the boards, draw fouls, get these guys in foul trouble, that can create a situation. We've seen so many games recently where Carl Anthony Towns is in foul trouble. When he's in foul trouble, that really hurts their offense. And we just watched a whole game where he was like, making low IQ plays and contesting shots he shouldn't have or almost committing a sixth foul and, you know, going for rebounds he had no chance to get. Little things like that. So that matters. Yes, this uh, recording will be available. We're, we're going to get that taken care of. Um, yes, we saw Jaden McDaniels. He's going to be out. He'll be gone. Broken wrist. That changes the way this, guy, this team can defend you. And he is enabled a bit by Gobert's really strong rim protection, but this is a team that behind McDaniels, they don't, they don't quite have the same caliber of players. And we'll, we'll get that, get to that here in a second. So this is a team that, you know, fouls often the Lakers like that. They draw a lot of fouls. They defend the rim. Well, they're really thin from a rim protection standpoint. McDaniels is out now. Nasri's out for the season. If you get cat and or go rim in foul trouble, this defense falls apart. So, I would be very happy to attack those guys. You know, you're going to miss some shots. They're going to have some blocks. If you're able to rack up fouls on them, they they can just really get in trouble quickly. From a post-defensive standpoint, both Gobert and Cat have been pretty solid individual post-defenders. This is not a team that's sending aggressive help frequently. They're going to dig from the strong side at times, but more simple, I think, in how they are defending the post. So AD... You know, he's got big bodies to try to attack, but if he can, if you can get true 1v1s for him, I think Gobert's going to be able to hold his own a bit. AD's still fantastic and he's going to score. Cat, I think, is someone he can go attack. From a ball screen defense standpoint, it kind of depends who they have out there. Gobert is a heavy, heavy drop coverage guy, but he will sometimes hedge. He will be in soft hedges at the level of the screen, taking away the immediate pull of three, but he's usually in drop. Towns, he is he can do a bunch of different things. He's not the best at them, but we see him switch, we see him drop, and we see him in soft hedges. So it'll kind of I, I need to go watch some more film on how he defended the Lakers and ball screens last game, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see more than one coverage from him against the Lakers. And then it's just about, you know, what is he doing? How do we attack it? If he's in drop, does Dilo have the pull of threes? Um if he's in drop, you can attack with those, 
you know, double drag Oklahoma sets, get the off-screen shooters going. If he's switching, you want to attack with your, you know, step up ball screens, look to hit the, the seals and the slips. If he's hedging, we have a numbers advantage off ball. Are we able to hit our roll men or our shooters? Yes, we absolutely want AD and LeBron attacking the rim to start. You want to see if you can get these guys in foul trouble in the first quarter and go from there. If you play passive and don't attack the rim and don't draw fouls until the second half, it's too late. You need four quarters of, of rim pressure against these guys. When it comes to defending handoffs, they're in drop. When it comes to defending off-ball screens, they'll be in drop. Um, they rarely top lock. I don't expect we'll see that. So Beasley should be able to run off of his off-ball screens. They're usually just trailing. Sometimes they switch. About a third of the time, they'll go under rather than trail. But Beasley should be able to get going on the off-screen stuff. Those will be available. They're not game planning to take that away, usually. Who knows what they'll do in this single game, but usually that's not part of their game plan. From a defensive role standpoint, they, and an impact standpoint, and here, I'm, my dog's complaining. I'm going to let him out of the room. Hang on a sec. So from a defensive role standpoint, at the point of attack, McDaniels was their top dog, A minus impact, fantastic. Match of difficulty, number one ranked on-ball defense, number one, number one ranked ball screen navigation. He was their guy. He was their dude defensively. He's gone. And there's a drop-off. McLaughlin, backup point guard, B impact, point of attack defender. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, C plus impact, point of attack defender. Mike Conley, D, point of attack defender. D impact, D plus ball screen navigation compared to other uh, point of attack defenders. He's not a defensive playmaker. McLaughlin, not a defensive playmaker, not a good ball screen navigator. They've got some guys that can stay in front. And part of that is like, they've got good rim protection behind them. Rivers, if he plays F impact, point of attack defender, like you can attack Conley. If Walker plays, you can attack Walker. McLaughlin's tiny. Get get a big body post up McLaughlin with, with LeBron, with AD, with Rui. You a D-Lo can post him up. Like you've got guys that can post up these the small guy. You can go after Conley. They have if you can get this team to switch, you can create problems for them. You want to challenge Conley, you want to challenge McLaughlin. Idea, you know, part of my game plan was get McDaniel switched off of LeBron with you know step up ball screens up the, the sidelines, some pistol action. You don't have to do that anymore. He's gone. That immediately changes the way this team can defend. Because when we look at the other players they have, you remove their one elite point of attack defender. Behind him, they don't have that guy. They don't have wing stoppers. Torian Prince has been used as a chaser this year. He's had a D-plus defensive impact. I like what he's done offensively this year. In a simple role, defensively, he's not, he's not that dude. He's not adding that value. And he is someone that's not navigating screens well. He's not creating turnovers. He's not defending the rim. He's not boxing out well. He's not rebounding well. You know, Prince is somebody you go after. LeBron with Prince on him is so much better off than LeBron with McDaniels on him. Kyle Anderson, A impact and helper role. And he has been super versatile. He's been a strong rebounder. He's going to crash the boards. He's a good rim protector. He's a good on-ball defender. And he's going to create a lot of turnovers. He's going to pick pockets. He's going to jump passing lanes. Kyle Anderson's a good defender. Ant Edwards this season, B minus defensive impact. And he's been another guy. He is the highest matchup difficulty of any of these, any of these dudes, uh, Noel, Anderson, or Prince. A minus matchup difficulty for him compared to other off-ball winging guard defenders. A minus defensive positional versatility. He's gonna mix it up on the boards. He's gonna, you know, win them defensive rebounds. He's been pretty solid as an on-ball, you know, perimeter defender compared to these off-ball players. So shout out to Ant Edwards. He's more than just an offensive player. Not quite, you know, a great defensive guy, but he, he, he'll hold his own. We saw him make some good plays tonight. But he's generally used in a helper role. This team will have to have Prince, Anderson, and, and Edwards step up and, and need to guard LeBron. Some mix of those guys. And that's probably going to be a problem. The last guy here, and I don't know if he'll play or not, is Jalen Noel. Offensively, he had some punch. Defensively, low activity defender. They try to hide him, and he stinks. F impact. D plus on ball defense. F matchup difficulty. He is hiding, and he is someone you can target. 
with their bigs. I, I feel like, you, you know, you should be fairly familiar with these two. Gobert, great and drop, good rim prote- very good rim protector, pretty solid rebounder. Towns, not a good rim protector, not a good rebounder. Um, he's, he's more mobile than a lot of other bigs on the perimeter, or a lot of other anchor bigs at least, but you're going to get mobile coverages from Towns mixed in with some other stuff. You're going to get dropped from Gobert. So just be ready to a- attack the drop appropriately. Don't don't go to McDonald's and ask him for the Whopper. Go go get the you know go get the big back at McDonald's. Go get the Whopper at Burger King. Attack what they're giving you. Don't try to call the wrong plays. So if you can draw Minnesota out of drop and attack Gobert on the perimeter and in his lack of speed, I think you you have some opportunities there. But attack Cat at the rim. These guys have holes. Without McDaniel's, they look so much less scary defensively. So. That's what the personnel looks like. That's what the roles look like. Their keystone piece defensively is out of the picture. Gobert, we'll have to see if he's in or out. If they lose both McDaniels and Gobert, this defense is not a good defense. And their offenses, as is, not the most scary of offenses as long as you game plan appropriately. So this is a team the Lakers should beat. I don't know what the line's going to be on the game. But at home, healthy, you should go out and you should beat these guys. I don't care if Gobert's playing or not. 80 can go be a monster. LeBron with McDaniels out, definitely no excuse. He should be able to go out there and attack and attack the drop coverage with the appropriate concepts. If they are switching or hedging, you know, run the right stuff against that. But rotationally, I would expect to see the Lakers kind of keep doing what they're doing. You're going to see D'Lo. You're going to see some Schroeder on lower minutes. You're going to see Reeves. You're going to see some Beasley. You're going to see LeBron, AD, probably Gabriel instead of Bamba. Gabriel in some low minutes. And I think Gabriel against Cat, eh, not, not ideal, but, you know, enough size. Should be okay. And the thing about how Minnesota plays is, you know, start and end halves, they're going to play super big. And those are the moments where the Lakers are going to have AD on the court anyway. Every other time a game, they're going to have one of those guys on the court. And that's the situation where it's not like, oh crap, we have a Wenyan Gabriel, I don't know, Rui front court trying to, or Wenyan Gabriel LeBron trying to guard Cat and Gobert. You're going to have size at the right moments unless they really mix up when they play players. So defend their key actions well. They've got a lot of weaknesses. Attack their coverages smartly and try to attack the rim. I think if you can run like... Your your double like it, this should be a great game for Beasley. Beasley, he's been hot, you know, more hot shooting recently from three. If you can just you know hammer some actions that attack the drop coverage and draw this team out of drop, they're really in trouble. But you might be able to see plays where D'Lo or LeBron they're able to drive downhill, use AD's vertical lob threat as a way to occupy Gobert and drop, and then the ball handler attack the rim. Um, those are ways to go at these guys. I want AD dunking over Gobert, draw fouls on these players. You should be able to beat this team. So that's my initial high-level scouting report. That's who they play, how they play, what they're good against, what they're bad against. I'm going to take a second here to catch my breath. If you have any other questions, feel feel free to throw them in the chat. Moving forward, expect us to grab video on their top sets and go over to how to guard them. That'll be upcoming. Again, I I scouted the Pelicans. I spent a whole lot of time doing that work. We don't need it. Um, Now that we know the opponent, I'll do some some extra video work. But that's what we're looking at. It's been a long stream today. Thank you, everyone, for sticking with us. Went through the whole game, flipping around the other games, talking about this. Lakers are back in postseason basketball, and we're thrilled to have everyone here with us. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I feel good about this matchup, winning this, and then going on to play Memphis, who I've also begun scouting and am feeling better and better about. But, um, again, thanks, everyone. That's the – oh, I see Tom just texted me. He's, uh, he's grabbing some food. He's going to cut this up later and post it as a pod. So if you joined late, you can go check out the beginning of this. Um, we got some editing to do because we we did this as a continuation upon the on top of the the streams that we did. But 
Check that out if you haven't already. The Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, join us in our Discord. You can DM me, Tom, or the Lakers uh, at Lakers X Pod or Lakers X Pod, whichever you prefer. Five star review of the podcast, and we will get you into the Discord. Um, oh, I've got someone DM me today. I got to get them in the Discord. DM us. We'll get you in the Discord. And within that group, we've got lots of conversation 24 7 on the team, lots of good perspectives, some good, you know, just like internal content creators and great perspectives. Um, a real good group. You have more access to us. And uh, it's, it's that time of year again. Within that group, there are also various levels of access with different tiers, different channels, um, access to different X's and O's stuff, videos, bonus pods. I want to shout out some of the friends of the podcast, TJ Timotaji, Zach Harris, Q Daddio, iPod Shuffle, Romario, Chamber, Miguel, T. Shuttleworth, Omar, Roy, Abdulrahman, Keneal Mason, Eric, and Doppel, all with us in the owner's box, as well as to the Corsite and Lower Bowl crews who support what we do here. It really keeps us going. If you want to get into that group, DM us that five-star review of the pod, or just check out the link in my bio on Twitter, tinyurl.com slash support Lakers X pod or Lakers X pod, whichever is easier to remember. That's tinyurl.com support Lakers X pod, all one word. And we will see you in there. So thanks again. I'm going to go take a break. Uh, Go, go tell, go tell everyone about how we're going to, Force Mike Conley to his left. We're going to let Ant Edwards take his his pull-up middies. We're going to play drop against him. Um, you know, sit on those cat middle middle post-up attacks. He's not spinning baseline. And if, if he does, you know, send someone there to wait there to take that charge. That's all I've got. Have a good one, everyone. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.